Right, okay, this is episode 21 of Music and More. Um, continuing on with guests, we've uh, got a really exciting guest on today. We've got uh, Nick Hodgson, obviously formerly of the Kaiser Chiefs, but now, um, you know, writing, producing, podcasting as well. Do you know what I mean? Really interesting. So also from Leeds as well, fellow, you know, fellow Leeds musicians. So uh, showing solidarity there. Um, but yeah, thank you very much for giving up your time and coming on to talk to us, Nick. Really appreciate that. Thank you very much. I've got nothing better to do. <laughs> and I'm presuming that's why you started a podcast just like me you know <laughs> exactly the same as well, what yeah, else are you going to do exactly. I mean honestly yeah I'm very happy to be doing something it's been in my diary for a couple of weeks I've been like that great finally something yeah. in the diary someone to talk to there's not in the same house as you all the time that, that, yeah. that's what I love about Zoom do you know what I mean and stuff like this it's just you know you can maintain them sort of relationships in these weird times. Um, but yeah, yeah, let's before we get before we get started, I'll just say hello to Pete so he doesn't feel left out. As you know, I often forget to say hello to Pete. So Pete, how are you doing? Doing well. I'm doing well. Let's see. Is this record time? We're about three minutes in, and you acknowledge me. That's great. Hey man, how you doing? Yeah, it's often it's often a bit longer than that. I mean, the truth be told is I find it I find it difficult to, to sort of naturally introduce you into the conversation. Do you know what I mean? Other yeah. than through the, the, the magic of editing. Other just ignore me. Time. I'll squeeze in. You're, we're fine. <laughs> Hey, Nick, man, how you doing? Another Leeds band, which is, I find that interesting because uh, where I'm from, you don't get too many bands in, from coming from the same area. There's quite a few bands coming out of Leeds. Yeah. I always thought about places like Sheffield and Manchester, which are only like how far away? Like yeah. 40 minutes away. Yeah, exactly. And you could list bands there that were from like, uh, you, you know, anywhere in the world you'd have heard of them. In Liverpool, obviously, you know, yeah. these enormous bands. And Leeds, I always thought, well, we didn't really have that many bands. Mm. And a lot of bands... Um, like I'm talking about world famous ones, like you know, yeah. you look at Manchester and you've got Oasis and Stone yeah, it, didn't, Roses. it didn't have that scene, did it? It didn't have a really identifiable scene. No, it had goth, didn't it? In about <laughs> early eighties. Yeah, goth was, that, was big. Was, it, was that was that the mission? Are you talking about that sort of thing? Sisters of Mercy and the mission. Oh, right. and, oh, yeah, the yeah. mission is from Leeds as well. I did not know that. But I actually, actually saw them in concert in Germany years ago. It's possible they're from Bradford. So, oh, right. yeah, I yeah. Had uh, a few beers with those lads, as a matter of fact. Hey, uh, Tony Perry managed the mission. You know, our manager. He did manage manage the mission as well. But yeah, I, I know what you're saying, Nick. Carry on. Sorry, sorry. Carry Leeds on. was a big place for bands. Like there was always 10 million bands that like, you could go out at any night of the week, find a band, watch them, hang out with bands, and all that. But you couldn't. There wasn't really a lot. Hmm, who who would you say were like big famous bands from Leeds? The music. Well, exactly. Well, if you if you're not talking about the music and the guys, it's sort of before us. Even. Pigeons. 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 I mean, what have you got? I like Space Hog. Want there from Leeds? You know what yeah. I mean? Or like. Um, there were a couple of other ones like uh, one actually the stereo MCs want they from Leeds. Oh, I'm sure one of them were. Um, maybe. But anyway, like you embrace. say, it's not it's it's not like well yeah embrace yeah but it it's certainly not Top like so. um, in our day that like you say there was any sort of identifiable no. scene. But like you say, at the same time there were tons of bands around, and that brings me to the fact of. Um, going out. I mean, I'll have been fifth. Well, maybe just sixteen, but probably fifteen. Uh, seeing you guys as I think you were Runston Parver back then at the at the Duchess one one Friday or Saturday night. Do you know what I mean? I, I remember that vividly. Actually, wow. probably one of my first times at any sort of live music. That uh, my mate Robert took me to that, and yeah, man, it was a blast. Um, so what, but, can you remember what year that was? Well, if I were fifteen or sixteen, maybe ninety eight. Right. 
Yeah, I'd say maybe maybe even ninety seven to be honest. Right. Yeah. Their first gig at the Duchess in ninety seven. It could have been that. Really? That, mm. You know that that'd be fascinating, wouldn't it? But um, yeah, I remember it well, man. Um, I, you know, and I suppose that's one point really to to the Kaiser Chief story is the fact that you kind of you know you guys went through different incarnations of yourselves really didn't you do you know what i mean in terms of you were you were on the scene for a long time playing lots of gigs before things really sort of hit for you yeah yeah so we'd um i think what it was was just we wanted to be uh, a big band we looked at all the bands that we liked and we wanted to be like that we wanted to be i remember someone saying back in like 97 or something saying who do you want to be as big as and we and for some reason the charlatans was our answer Mm. i want to be as big as the charlatans Mm. and um so every time we changed, I think we changed three, uh, like we were, first of all, we were Runston Parver. We did quite a lot of gigs, sort of late 90s. And then about 2001, we changed to be Parver. And that was a bit different. We were like, because we started off as being like this mod band, because uh-huh. we were obsessed with being mods. <laughs> and then we, that kind of just disappeared really. And then we were just like this sort of, a much heavier, like a rock band. But then our set, the problem was in 2001 when you play, when you saw our set, it was like sh- shades of the mod thing, shades mm-hmm. of indie, shades of Nirvana, shades of Radiohead, yeah. all in a 25-minute set. Right. And that at that point is the point to go, okay, stop, scrap it. It's not working. But actually we got signed, <laughs> which is really strange. <laughs> we got signed from one of those gigs. Uh, I think the label must have seen like, I think they saw potential in us because we were we looked like a gang. We played... Well, we were tight. Ricky was great to look at, mm-hmm. and we, um, but we we had a couple of good songs. And I think oh, the label yeah. days Ruby, right? Oh no, no, I'm first? talking like this is back when we were Parva. Yeah, oh, yeah, he's, he's Parver, talking, okay. yeah, yeah, talking so, really early days. Because yeah, you, yeah, like you say, you didn't you released an album, didn't you, as Parva? No, no, we made an album. <laughs> oh, okay, carry on, carry on then. <laughs> the carry big on. difference, big difference. Yeah, 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 yeah. We made an album, and it took us a year, and. Um, it was just a laugh. All that was was a great. That all we had in that time, we were only signed for one year, and we just had a brilliant time because we got mm-hmm. up in the morning and we went and went to the studio, and we didn't have jobs, mm-hmm. and so we were parva. We there was no schedule. There was no plan around it at all. Our manager didn't have a plan, and the label didn't have a plan. We just got up in the morning, went to the studio, and it was in Leeds. Mm-hmm. We used to go on our bikes, oh, mess wow. about all day, record a bit. It's just crazy, like, and then go out at night. Yeah. Get, and somehow we got signed. Well, was, I mean, it, you, was that Soundworks that you were at? No, was, no, they uh, did Old Chapel one that you guys practiced at. No, that was the rehearsal, but we were actually making that record, that album, in um, oh, I can't a place it. called Pravda in Cottage Road, which I think changed to be called Cottage Road Studio. Oh, okay. Mm. Just, well, I mean, uh, you can you can tell by the way you talk about it, you know, that you you got a lot of fondness for those times when you know you weren't as successful or whatever, you know, when you were just starting off that first taste of being signed, so to speak. Yeah, I think the best thing that we did was go on tour and learn a little bit about that. I remember our first ever gig on tour. So we'd done gigs in Leeds and everything, but our first ever gig on tour was in Lincoln at the Bivouac, um, or maybe the night was called Bivouac. Anyway, the Lincoln Bivouac. And there was two people in the audience and one fell asleep. And that is true. <laughs> really? <laughs> but we were like... But that other brilliant. guy had a blast. <laughs> yeah. They were so drunk. I think they were totally in the wrong place. They were just sat at the back, empty room, two people at the back, one fell asleep. And we were just... It was just a live rehearsal, really. But oh, yeah. I love that. I mean, that's what you need. Yeah. Well, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. You need a lot of shit gigs. 
Yeah. Do you do you need them because it helps you appreciate the that when you when you get better ones or or does it just build character? I think when you um, first go on stage, um, th- like you'll know this, Adam. So you're in the rehearsals and you're playing, and everything sounds a certain way, and you're dead used to it. Yeah. I can remember the first time we got on stage, which is possibly the gig that you saw us in uh, in '97 at the Duchess, and when we walked on and I started playing the drums and nothing sounded familiar. <laughs> It was comp- a, sh- a total shock. Mm. We got off stage and we were like, first of all, I was so knackered. I was knackered. I can remember it really well. I was so tired after doing a half an hour set, but we'd rehearsed for like a whole, you know, half a day. But I wasn't tired at all. I don't know what that is. It's adrenaline, nerves, whatever. And then yeah. and then also we were all saying, well, did, I didn't even know, like it didn't sound anything like us. It was so weird. So what I was coming around to is that you do those gigs to get, you just build the experience and you get better and you learn all these things. I mean, I could do a gig. Well, I remember doing a solo tour and uh, I was so used to the fact that um, after doing so many hundreds of gigs, so used to the fact that it was going to sound shit. Like when you're doing a shit, like it was like a little festival in the Great Escape. Oh, like this festivals little... were even worse out here. <laughs> yeah, it was, and it was, you know, right, you're on that kind of thing. No sound check, nothing. Exactly. And you were like, I can do this. This is no problem. I, heard, I got up on stage, sounded terrible, couldn't hear my voice. Fine, don't matter. It's too loud. Could hear the drums. All I could hear was cymbals. Fine. As long as you're well rehearsed, you can do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, like, like you say, that was exactly the same for us. And I talked about it on uh, when we had Rick McNamara on from Embrace. Uh, our first, one of our first gigs was, um, I think it was like the Hi-Fi Club. Uh, the Christmas party and you know we like you say we've been playing them songs in practice room and it just sounded a certain way and we were all confident with them and you know it was getting up on stage at his, his own Christmas party where Tim Burgess were DJing and all this stuff and we were thinking oh this is gonna be this is gonna be awesome do you know what I mean there's record company people here there's all sorts of people here and we you know we played first notes and like I say it was just like hang on <laughs> and then it, and then like you say you've got like a, an hour of that an hour of enjoy i think we only played for like 40 minutes or something but it was still it was like oh my god and like i took that so much to heart but um like you i think it was tim big and like i said who said to me you're gonna have to get over that if you know if that yeah. bothers you that much you are gonna have to get over that but character building nonetheless and you know some of the but first i mean like have you played holodelphy do you know what I mean? Because like as terrible a venue as yeah. that is, it just a fucking brilliant gig. Do you know what I mean? You do you do get rooms like that as much as we're sort of slating bad rooms or whatever. Or, you know, or- um, that was my last gig I did. Like in the timeline of my gigs, the Holodelphia was the last gig I did. All right, in 2018. Awesome for this um like music like this. Uh, I can't remember what it was. Has it actually got a proper you know, stage now, or is it still just milk yeah. crate with a? I don't know. Milk- it would, it would, oh man, honestly, it might look like a proper one, but if you look, it's just double stacked oh, milk crates with some, uh, <laughs> like, with some decent wood on top. But, yeah, well, man, I mean, we had such a great, I mean, that was, <laughs> that was like the second night of our first tour and that, you know, that was when we were coming out of the venue and people were wanting us autographs and stuff like that. Do you know wow. what I mean? Like, honestly, and that was just such a buzz. But yeah, so, you know, then those sorts of gigs do hold um, a lot of uh, nostalgia for me. And, you know, because it, it does, it, it is different in it when you're, well, I mean, you guys have played much bigger stages than us, but it can be different when you're playing in front of thousands of people versus, you know, 150 mm. that are stuffed into a room that really shouldn't hold more than 50, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I still don't know which one I prefer. That's that. yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, they're so different, aren't they? They're just so different. Yeah. I think I prefer the big ones. 
Well, I mean, that's the, fair. There's more the control. In, do you know what I mean? There's, there's yeah, a, there's definitely. You, you feel more confident about it in a bigger, more you know, a serious room where it's not just someone's living room with a PA stuffed into it. You know, I mean, that you're going to be able to get good monitors and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I used man. to like. Yeah. Um, I used to keep a like in my mind. I had the chart of like how big your gigs, like there's little indicators about how gigs you how how big gigs were getting. Hmm. One of them is the barrier. So there's a there's a level that one so one day you start playing, you're doing a gig, and there's a there's a gap between the front of the stage and the people. Yeah. Like in my entire teenage life, and up to about 26, I reckon there was no there was always no gap, mm-hmm. just people, stage and people. Mm-hmm. There's other things such as um, St. John's Ambulance. If you've got St. John's Ambulance at your gig, that's a big one. I, I remember the first time I ever saw a tout going, two, uh, got Kaiser Chiefs, two for Kaiser Chiefs. Yeah. like, what? He's talking about me? He's talking about my band? Can't believe yeah. it. And you're supposed I mean, to hate the touts, everyone. But for that night, I was just like, wow. That's so cool. I just, I, I, I find it interesting the contrast between. Um, how you know we sort of when we sort of um, got signed or whatever and started releasing records all that happened so fast for us do you know what i mean and we never really had any of that um that character building conditioning that you get from do you know what i mean um well i don't know because i can't speak for it but but you, you know you guys were always just doing it for the love of it weren't you do you know no. what i mean but- <laughs> No, we really was. <laughs> we weren't. Always, it was, it always a means, was it always a means to an end then? We always wanted to be massive. Yeah. And that, that, was, that was the goal. That was purely the goal. From day one. On the show. And that was because of people like Oasis. And, we, you know, everyone, the people we loved mm-hmm. talked about being massive. And we wanted that. And when, so we, when we first started in 97 as Runston Parva, you know, that was coming out of right just coming out of Britpop or just yeah. the tail end of Britpop. And the culture then was to be massive. So we started going, we're going to be massive. Yeah. And we, we always wanted to be bigger than everyone else. And uh, the love of it was part of it. Mm. But we also set our sights really high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you achieved them, didn't you? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You achieved them. And like, pretty fast with some pretty like crazy that, that, songs early days. And that must have been, that must have been um, a, you know, a massive roller coaster. Do you know what I mean? For for all of you, sort of personally, especially having put so much into it as well. You know, we did, to a certain degree, we didn't know what we were being given. Do you know what I mean? Because we just effectively walked into it. But I can imagine to have grafted for it like you guys did. And if it wasn't purely for the love of it, if it was for that goal to actually then achieve it, is, um, you know, that's quite a thing. It's quite a thing, man. Um, yeah, we, but it's still the same because it still happened overnight. Um, so when we started Kaiser Chiefs, it was we never. I still never had that point where I was like, "Hey, this is great. Just enjoy this for a bit. Just enjoy it." <laughs> no, I never. I enjoyed it, but I never stopped and thought, "Hey, this is great." Because you don't, because you can't, because you're in yeah. the middle of it. Yeah. Um, I'm better off now where I can look back and go, "Wow, that was cool." Mm. And that and that resonates more with you now than it sort of did at the time. Well, like you say, because you're in it, I suppose you're in it, aren't you? And as it rolls like that, the, you have no concept of whether this should or shouldn't be happening. It's just the fact that it is, I guess. Exactly, because yeah. it's your yeah. life. Yeah. So whatever is on your plate at that point is what you're having for dinner. Yeah. 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 That first album really made it pretty big. I mean, all the way. I certainly heard about it in in the U.S. And uh, heck, I noticed that I was talking to my son-in-law last night and I was telling him, oh, yeah, we're getting, yeah, we're going to interview this guy from the Kaiser Chiefs. I didn't expect him to know who it was. And right away he was like, oh, yeah, I know the Kaiser Chiefs. And I was like, wow, really? How? And he's like, uh, I was, what do you know? He's like, Ruby. And, and I was like, he's like, to be fair, I, I play it on, on 
Guitar Hero 3. <laughs> <laughs> so where are you from? I'm from North Carolina, US. All right, okay. But yeah, apparently you guys were on Guitar Hero 3, which I did not know I don't play it, but uh, apparently you right. guys got quite a few songs on there. Okay. I didn't know that. But oh, you didn't know uh, that? Oh, oh I, you I, know? I thought that was a big payday to get on Guitar Hero. Well, he probably, um, I mean, it probably is big and he doesn't fucking even look, you know. <laughs> <laughs> is, guitar, is Guitar Hero 3 like from the past? Like it's not just come out this week? No, <laughs> no. I mean, like, well, I don't know, to be honest. I don't even know. No, it's 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 a while ago, but it's uh, yeah. you know you know certainly not too long ago, but it's not like just this year. But I mean, no. yeah, I mean they they pay pretty well. I've heard that uh, um, you know who is it? Aerosmith made more money on Guitar Hero than they made on any of their albums. Cool. <laughs> so, well, I guess you know wow. that that's one of them sort of yardsticks in it again. Do you know what I mean? Like you're talking about um, the gap and then the barrier, and it's like oh yeah, and now we've got a song on Guitar Hero. Do you know what I mean? If you got, <laughs> I didn't. I mean, if you got a song on Guitar Hero, do you know what I mean? But that's yeah. the point in it. Ultimately, you guys um, went stratospheric and like you say, it happened overnight. And, you know, that it, it was a, a wild ride for us, but it can't have been anything to the scale of what you guys experienced, really. Do you know what I mean? Although, you know, a band is a bubble in it. I'm, I'm presuming yeah, it was yeah. the same for you guys, just like a gang. I think, we'd have, I think we probably had loads of shared feelings and experiences, really. Do you know what I mean? In terms of how it feels in the band and when you're right in the middle of it. Because yeah. you, yeah. I mean, the other people don't really understand as well what it's like to be in the middle of it. Certainly, I mean, I, I did. Lo- I loved. Uh, I loved all the. I liked all the cha- chaoticness of it. I didn't love the touring so much, but I loved doing gigs. Mm-hmm. And um, well, because I, I, I travelling. I love the buzz of the gigs on the. You know when You're when playing. the doors open. Yeah. And you go and have a look and look around from the curtain from behind the stage and have a look, see all the people. Feel it building it's the cool. excitement. I, mean, I, never, yeah, yeah. I did enjoy the fact that, like, and appreciate the fact that it was, like, totally cool that all these people had come out of the house and come to see us, bought a ticket, and were excited about it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was amazing. So what made you walk away from it then? Oh, a ton of things. Loads of things. I was never in it. I never wanted to do it forever. And I wanted to be a studio guy. I was I was into the studio so much. And I used to love making albums. And then you'd be making an album. And as soon as you finished it, at that point, you were like, oh, man, I just made this album. And now I've bought myself a year and a half on the road. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yeah. I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. I want to do, do an album or just record or write with other people or whatever and just not... Well. It's it's a po- it's a poison chalice, I think. It certainly was for us um, because you know, for, take our first album for example, and how long we toured that for. You know, we we toured it for two or three years. You know, non-stop. Right. Do you know what I mean? And it's that double-edged sword of you know, you're hot right now, so you know, you you get round and do where you wanted. Um, but that it, you know, the way we wrote specifically, it gave us no time to to write anything new and like yourself yeah. like yourself um i'm very you know certainly then i am now uh, very much someone who sort of likes to get into the studio because ultimately for me anyway it's just where you can be the most creative because you can fucking mm-hmm. capture you can capture it all do you know what i mean yeah. and i like writing songs and I, and I found that you you had sound checks to sort of do new songs and everything but i don't think one song that we did in soundcheck or one song that i wrote on the road actually made it into yeah. hmm. onto a record i'm yeah. not sure but i don't think they did so you basically kept your hand in when you're on on the bus or in, in hotel rooms. I always had a guitar on me, mm-hmm. and um, but I never wrote anything that came out. I don't think. So then you've got like that year or year and a half where you just uh, haven't written a song, and um, that's not for me really. Mm. I um, 
I want to do new stuff. As soon as the old stuff's done, uh, as soon as one album's done, I want to do the next yeah, one. Yeah, you move on from it. You move on from it in yeah, your own yeah. mind as well. Yeah, like closure. Never listen to it. Yeah, and it's like closure on it, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Mm. And like, yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree with that totally. But so that's something that's interested me as well is um, the writing dynamic that, that you had in the Kaiser Chiefs. Do you know what I mean? And sort of um, how you approach writing songs, really, and how that changed. Do you know what I mean? The, the conscious yeah, decisions yeah. that went into that to go right. Do you know what I mean? I've got this, I've got this huge bag of uh, mini discs, which actually shows that there's about there's about 200 mini discs here, and they're all full, and they've got like 74 minutes on. And if you pull them out at random, which I do every so often and listen to, then you can you can just see that. See the <laughs> um, that's like the first album. There's a quite a bit of Parva stuff, and then the first. So there's like 10,000 hours of just Jesus writing. Um, and filtering, filtering, yeah, so yeah. filtering yeah. went on with mm. us. Uh, and also, we had this. So, and a lot of that's just me on my own in my flat. Mm-hmm. So I just like record all the time, everything. Like now, you just do it on your phone. But then I'd had the mini disc and just record, record, record while I watch telly at night. Just record, playing guitar, and then grad. You know, gradually bits have come out, and then yep. okay, let's say there was ten ideas. You take one into the rehearsal room, and then of, of ten of those, one would become something that we'd work on and of 10 of those that we were working on, one of them would become a song and then we'd play it live and that's how it worked. Mm-hmm. So um, a lot of filtering, that was yep. the big thing. And then later on, the big difference I think was that later on, we didn't do that. We didn't have time. I was never in my flat. I never did that. I never filtered anything. <laughs> and, yep. um, and the songs, yeah. you know, they get worse. Yeah. So did, <laughs> I mean, did for, you... for loads of different reasons, yeah. because you have this pressure. Um, you have the pressure of your fans, you know what I mean? You, oh, yeah. You th- in your head, you've got 10 million different reasons of why, or things that are, instead of just writing naturally, you've then got, oh, what's the enemy going to say? What's my manager going to say? What's yeah. the rest of the band going to say? What are the fans going to say? Will they like this? Yeah. Ah, you like that. It's paralyzing. You and you can't Change do it anymore. So, yeah. so that was another reason why I had to leave the band was because uh, I wanted to, uh, basically in the five, six years previous, I knew, or even like the whole of my life in bands, I always knew what we should do and what we should do next and how we were going to look and what the song was going to be like and how it was going to be framed and how it's going to be presented. And then suddenly, suddenly I found I'm just guessing. I don't know what I'm doing. Right. And then I was like, right, do something else. Was that something that happened gradually or or was that like a sudden realisation for you? Because like you say, to, to go from having such a strong idea across the board for so long to then having again that realization that you're like well hang on do you know what i mean i, I don't feel like i have anymore do you know was that was that a gradual yeah. thing i think it was gradual but i only realized suddenly <laughs> and so i just realized that um i don't know what the kaiser chief should sound like and Anym- i always anymore before. yeah anymore yeah 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 i couldn't write another kaiser chief <clears throat> song and do, do you think that was tapping from the one well too long? Do you know what I mean? Or was, or do you think music moved on and you, yeah. you, you'd seen it move on and you'd thought, okay, sort of where this is coming from isn't what people want anymore rather than what you wanted to put out? Do you know what I mean? Definitely that, yeah. Because one day you're really cool and one day you're not because something else is cool yeah. and you're, you're yeah. in the past. Yeah, and that can happen. And I didn't want to be in... I mean, like I said, there was, there's millions of reasons why I left and... It wasn't just that I wanted to leave. I wanted the whole thing to stop. I wanted to, every everyone to leave, but oh, you know, right. actually left. But because um, <laughs> they wanted to carry on and I didn't, so yeah. I just thought, okay, forget it. 
Oh, was that was that difficult though? The fact that was that difficult for you? The fact that they wanted to carry on, or was it just a case of okay, no problem? Do you know what I mean? Uh, uh, it was. It's it's murky. Yeah. Okay. No. Not, no worries. It's um. Yeah. It's it's pretty weird. But uh, yeah. It was. Uh, I mean, we're okay now. Most of us. For what but, it's worth, um, I'll say the the music definitely of the Kaiser Chiefs definitely changed. I mean, the sound. Yeah, but. The problem was that when you change, no one liked the new the new stuff. Well, some people did, but because mm-hmm. um, you you want to be new and different, you want to try new things, and, and like the some of the songs I I hear, like if I listen back to the like the last album or the one I was on and the one before, it's pretty out there sometimes. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's also because like when we first started our B sides, you know, we had to do loads of B sides, and if you listen to any of our early B sides, they're absolutely out there. Right. And so we wanted to be that as well. That was our that was our thing as well. We wanted to be weird. We always wanted to be weird. Mm-hmm. But the songs that weren't weird were the ones that got the best reaction. So we <laughs> we, we go and do the the non weird ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On stage, and then you've got all these weird things. Oh, let's be weird, <laughs> and then um, nobody likes it. Well, I, suppose, like, I mean, I suppose if you've got a vehicle up front that people like, do you know what I mean? Then, you know, the B-sides is a perfect opportunity um, mm. to try that sort of stuff, especially sort of, you know, how big you guys got. Do you know what I mean? It, you know, it's a perfect opportunity in it to, I mean, <clears throat> you know, we, that like versus us with B-sides, you know, we just write a load of songs and then have to put some of them on B-sides because you can't put 20 songs on an album. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So, so, and, and that was such a painful decision for us. Do you know what I mean? We'd be like, oh, well, that kind of <laughs> does a similar job as that song, but that does it better. And, you know, all those sorts of things played into into our thinking. But um, yeah. the music has a, a more B-sides that they could make an entire fourth album just on their B-sides. That's just as good as the other albums. Right. Well, yeah. yeah. Would you do that? Well, I don't know. I mean, I suppose it's a separate thing in itself, really. But, um, you know, we've got the this reunion show coming up, which is it's massive. It's really exciting for us. Um, but in terms of in terms of doing anything, it's, that, that's all up in the air as well. Do you know You've what I mean? You've got to do some new songs. <laughs> I don't I mean for the gig. I don't mean for the show. You just mean in general. I, I, and I don't mean, come on, you you got to do it because, you know, by how it looks or whatever. I'm talking about... You need to do it. I'd, lo- you know, it'd be amazing. Listen well, to this man. Yeah, well, I, I'm not, you know, I, whatever. Right. I'm up for hope, me. I'm up for hope. Yeah, yeah. Everyone knows that. <laughs> Everyone knows I'm up for hope. I am currently writing, certainly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm backing it massively. That's all I'm doing. Absolutely loving it. But I mean, in terms of the music, doing more stuff, you know, you never say never, do you? Really, but I don't. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? That's that's put that's really put me on the spot now. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's the beauty of a podcast, though, isn't it? I think oh, no, that, I'm not editing any of that. That's all going. Yeah, I know you are. So, Nick, I've done a little bit of stalking on you. You've uh, your musical talent is very wide. Like you go a lot of different directions, which I I'm a mad fan of. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I listen to some of this. I I didn't hear these songs before, but I found them and was like, oh, this guy really covers a lot of different genres. Like. Uh, bang 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 with uh, Mark Ronson. Yeah, uh, I'm curious how that played out because I'm a huge fan of Q-Tip myself. And when okay, I heard yeah. him on there, I was like, wait, hold on, why is Q-Tip on this yeah. song? <laughs> Did you work with Q-Tip on that? Or was no, that no, I, that was just well, that was amazing. That was just um, I went to New York. What happened? So yeah, I mean, this is I've told this recently to someone, and uh, when I was saying it out loud, it just sounded amazing and so much more ex- and like this is the sort of exciting thing that was happening at the time so it was start this is how this song started um 
who was an Australian beer company who, for a prize, gave away, this is like 2010 or something, the prize was you go to New York and record a song with Mark Ronson, okay? A band. This is the, I don't know what the, how you do it, but you did, that was the prize. And then Mark Ronson contacted me and said, do you want to come to New York and help me with this band? And, like, when you're in the middle of, a, like, the storm of being in a really, like, famous band, that email comes along and you go, yeah, that sounds good, yeah, yeah. Let's do that, yeah, let's do that. Now if that email came into my inbox, it would be the best thing that's happened to me in about three years. Anyway, so I'm like, okay, brilliant, we'll go to New York. And then, so we did this thing with this band, and then in the night he just played this track and I went into the studio and just sang uh, over the beat and... Um, and so that's what happened, right? So I just I had some lyrics, I had some bits, some melodies and stuff. And then about six months later, Q-Tip was on it, MNDR was on it, and it was finished, it was coming out. And, you know, I went and sang it on stage in, in Leeds, actually, and at uh, Lovebox, and uh, it was just another little weird thing that yeah. happened. Yeah, just a yeah, yeah. feather in your cap. Yeah, that's... That's pretty cool. I mean, that's a that one definitely caught me by surprise. But uh, that's the thing. There's different. You've worked with different groups of different genres. I mean, you, me at six doing the beautiful way. That's, oh yeah, yeah. That's actually in my. That's in my swim lane. I'm loving some. Oh, we could heavier. Right. And, uh, <laughs> that's a that's some pretty cool stuff. That was done in this room here. I mean, um, yeah, it was cool. And it all was like. So I haven't done anything really like that. You know, because I like to work with people face to face and do all that sort of thing I haven't done that for like a year but so that You Me at Six one was one of the last things yeah probably one of the last things I wrote that's come out I think right I was going to say have you been working remotely do you know what I mean in lockdown is that something that you've had to develop as a result of being in lockdown then um let's think it kind of I started off straight away when we first got went into first lockdown I was hearing that people were doing sessions and writing sessions and stuff online mm. on zoom and I was like okay I'll give that a go and I think a row, oh, I can't remember now whether anything's coming. I think I've done a couple of things with this band, The Academic, and a couple of bits, but nothing's finished. Mm -hmm. Or maybe one thing is finished, but I don't think anything's coming out or come out. Um, so I felt the first lockdown, I did loads of stuff. And then I just started to think, okay, I need to just, I'll just, I'll just chill. Yeah. And do some other stuff. You because, know, and I love that. Yeah. I didn't write a song for about six months. In fact, I only, Wrote a, the first song I wrote in six months was about two weeks ago. Did you feel the benefit of not having done it for six months? Do you know what I mean? In terms totally. of like, yeah, like a, a just so much energy. Well, the mad thing is that I put I wrote this song on. It was the fifteenth. So it's fifteen days ago, mm -hmm. um, and it's coming out on Friday. Actually, coming out on Friday. What the hell? Would that why be not? the song? That sounds yeah. pretty awesome. That's I a little it. teaser you put on your on your Twitter, and I was like, "Ooh, I'm all about that." That's that sounds sound cool, man. Yeah. So one thing I uh, tend to do, and I regret sometimes, is putting stuff out too early, finishing stuff before it's finished, and is just doing it, mm -hmm. uh, which is my impulsive sort of nature because I don't want to hang around with it. I want to do it while I still like it. And exactly. Get it out. Yeah. Exactly. And I hate hanging around on stuff. But, I mean, I listen back to some stuff that I've done that with, and I think, mm, it could be better. But, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. No, I, I know it's what fine. you're saying. I know what you're saying, man, definitely. Um, it's 
it's always a worry for me really where you, you sort of especially even now I mean I've only been writing again after 10 years since like last September um, and I've kind of progressed things really fast but like you said there's a bit of me that's like well I don't know how I'm going to feel about these songs in said amount of time do you know what I mean but it's all part of the journey isn't it I suppose do you know what I mean it's literally all part of the journey yeah. and even if you get like a few weeks or months down the line and you're like what the fuck was I thinking do you mm. know what I mean but I suppose what you're doing by getting it out there so fast is it's like a, a you know like a photograph like a snapshot of where you mm. are at that specific time and even down to your mood and yeah. shit like that do you know what I mean which totally, can, yeah. can affect your writing like, this song just came out and it was just about like I mean you haven't heard the this, like a few more sections it's not just that bit yeah and it does um like the lyrics were just about wanting to go out i want to go out go out at night mm-hmm. and just like i want to do something and i was excited i wrote it and i thought if i can't put this out like in a year because like <laughs> i'll be like big deal just go out <laughs> right, right, right. Oh, i see what you're saying yeah man yeah 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 so it's it had to come out like. fast yeah i kind of feel like i might in the future because like i put a solo album out and it's I mean, even that was fast. I, I didn't take very long to, to do it. But I think there was so much pressure on that day when it came out that uh, I didn't really enjoy that too much. I liked mm. the writing. I like mm-hmm. um, the gigging and stuff, but I felt a terrible stress in that week. It was awful. So what I was thinking now, I might just put out this song and then in a month put another one out yeah. in six weeks. Yeah. And also because of the way <clears throat> that the music like it's consumed these days mm. you don't um i mean i don't think this is a really good thing because it might lower the standards to which you are setting yourself but mm. um people if they don't like it it disappears pretty fast yeah yeah man yeah yeah, well, yeah. that yeah, was yeah. my question for you so like yeah. i pre-registered for the song you guys anybody that likes it can actually go on and, and pre you know pre pre-save the track and you can get it as soon as it comes out um so what happens if that gets like massive reviews or the opposite like does that change what your plans are well yeah i mean it would it, one one element of one one side of that would change my plans the other one wouldn't um <laughs> i do i don't know it'd be cool i don't know we'll just see i mean where, um, where, where do you where does your love lie nowadays do you know what i mean in terms of writing or producing for other people other people's music or indeed writing other people's music do you know what i mean is there a is there a particular yeah. area where you feel or you see yourself focusing more or do you enjoy sort of spreading you know spreading your talents around so to speak in that degree unfortunately i'm so uh i can never settle on one thing because uh I get so into one thing. Mm. Like I bought. I mean, I love, one of the things I really, really love, and it's you don't do it very often, is producing a band in a root in a proper studio. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, with and and the production, I'm not talking about sitting on the computer and and programming. I'm talking oh, yeah. about nurturing the takes. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Getting yeah. the best out of people and exactly. You know, thinking oh, that we could maybe go to that a bit faster and doing that old school production, which is my favorite thing to do. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. That's interesting. With other people sitting down with other people's music with them and going, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love that. I could produce bands. I'd love it. Well, I but mean, this, that was um, a really fascinating experience for us when we made our first album and we got Jim Abyss up, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, and, and, you know, sat down with his ideas and he will, like you say, we're very much like, let's just go in practice room, play through it. And I'm going to throw things at you like, you know, maybe this bit should, shouldn't happen there and that needs to be shorter and all that stuff but it's amazing isn't it how you can have something certainly i found anyway you can have something that's got so much energy and so much potential in that and just little subtle things 
you know, suddenly make it all make sense. Do you know what I mean? And is yeah. it, so is that something that you're chasing or that you enjoy to sort of, you know, reveal for people, so to speak, in their ideas? I think it's easier to hear somebody's song when you're not involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so there's so many times, so yeah. I can't do that with my own stuff. Um, so I do find it quite easy to hear a song and go, okay, well, we'll just shuffle that, do that, do this, that, that, that. Yeah. And, um, and then that'll be better. Now play it. One, two, three, four. Yeah. And that's cool. I love that. And I always used to do that when we first started the Kaiser Chiefs. I was, because it was a new thing and it felt like we were writing for somebody else as well, which is cool. So that's why it felt so easy to write for. Hmm. Um, how, do, how do you mean? It felt like you were writing for somebody else? Because we just started, because we've been in a band together for a long time. Yeah. And we were called Parva or Runston Parva yeah, yeah. for six years, five, six years. And so suddenly we were called Kaiser Chiefs and we had these sort of new rules which were like, okay, we're not going to wear jeans, right? Like a manifesto so, amongst yourselves almost. Yeah. And yeah. so it became, all right, we're, we're writing songs for this thing. Oh, I see. I see. That's fascinating. It's like a vehicle. And it was, yeah. And it was so easy. I remember mm. so well just thinking and saying to Ricky, this is easy. <laughs> That's interesting. Well, I mean, you, and, then, and then it just becomes impossible. Well, yeah, and it's, like, and it's, ex- it's same, exactly the same for us. And me and Rob had conversations like that. I mean, obviously in a very different way. But I mean, you guys kind of, you guys almost capt- almost captured that sort of football chant thing. Do you know what I mean? But sort yeah. of put put into lad culture. Do you know what I mean? Like you had, yeah. you had you had Oasis with massive tunes in lad culture, but sort yeah. of almost introducing that football chant chorus do you know what i mean that's kind of how it felt to me anyway yeah um, like oh my god i remember when we first put out oh my god we decided to promote it through leeds united and we um we made a lot of flyers and i think i think our manager went and touch, got in touch with the, the club and started seeing what what how we could make this work yeah. as a cross promotion because mm-hmm. we thought every week there's 30 30 000 people going to one place yeah man. they'll probably like this song and if we can link ourselves in with the, like the club, then, you know, that's, that's a really good way. Mm. I know that the music didn't do that on purpose, but it's interesting that some people have shared that when there's a certain soccer game playing that uh, they'll play Welcome to the North, <laughs> which I think is appropriate, right? Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> that's actually pretty cool. Yeah. It is good. I mean, I think there's, there's a lot of crossovers between football and music, obviously, because the audience, yeah. crowd tribal that tribal element it, you know it, it, it yeah. still it instills the same sort of feelings in people doesn't it you know what i mean if someone slags your favorite band off do you know what I mean? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that sort of tribal element to it but yeah i just I, I just think it's really fascinating that you kind of saw something and i mean did you see something and tap into it or did you did, did something fall on your head and you were like oh look at this do you know what i mean like do you know what i'm saying was it how well, sort of formulaic in your own head was it because obviously it you quite... were the one that had the idea for the the image. Well, it was me and me and Ricky really who had all the scheming kind of ideas. Right, so right. I see. We definitely spent a lot of time in the pub, and we and I had a book. I was famous for having, um, not famous, <laughs> for having these little red books. Like I've got some down here. Just little notebooks. Yeah, little notebooks. And uh, I used to go to the pub and have my notebook, and we would just, you know, sort of have drinks mm. and and talk about the band and design this whole thing because obviously we've been doing it a long time and we'd had zero success really yeah so we had a lot to to experience to draw on there and go well you know we we knew instinctively why something wasn't working and what the how when we do the kaiju how that is gonna you know just from 
instinct we knew that okay well, let's not do that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Let's, yeah. Do that. let's yeah. do that so i'd write it all down and it became i don't know it became a blueprint a blueprint yeah for what and pretty narrow as well it was it wasn't we didn't want to be dead broad about it we wanted to be yeah okay, we are this yeah yeah yeah, yeah. this is our yeah. 1978 to 1982 and yeah. nothing else. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and I guess when you and have something so when you have something that potent and, and you you can recognize it um, certainly consciously as well um you know it's on it, it, it's an unta- you know it's a a resource that's going to keep going although you you would think so but for a period of time anyway when when something like that when you stumble across it you know it must be a, an amazing feeling yeah. but I mean it's still it, it's still interesting to to me that you know, did you, did you ever lose heart across the time when you weren't, you know, one of the biggest bands in the country? Do you know what I mean? Did you ever lose heart across that time when you were still Not on really. that early journey? And it was that, pri- was it the prize that kept you going then? It was, I definitely had a little, I had a bit of that where I had to convince, because I was like, do you know that I didn't have that thing where it's like the belief the sort of um, that you read in self-help and it's like, believe in yourself, believe in yourself. Mm. It was genuine, like, like weird premonition almost something like that Mm -hmm. i just knew it was fine i never got worried i always thought it was going to be fine i don't know how or why i mean there's nothing wrong with that yeah yeah Yeah, maybe and i do remember having to rally cheerlead the rest of the guys yeah in different ways to try and i remember once playing um a demo to because i always looked for validation i wasn't like like an idiot dictator listen like i'm amazing like Mm -hmm. it was always like Hey, I'm amazing. Listen to this. Do you think it's amazing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah. All right. So, um, so I always needed people to clap and say it was good. Yeah. And um, so I would. Yeah. So this was one time where I used to DJ at the cockpit, and um, <laughs> I uh, there was, I was in this little room. Where I was playing new music, and uh, one there was like a scene. There was a few like eighteen. 18, 19, 20 year olds, and we were all into the same sort of music. Mm. And uh, one time there was this one kid who was like the ringleader of these kids. And I was like, hey, listen to this demo. And it was a Friday night. I gave it to him, CD, and he had Oh My God on and Born to Be a Dancer and Saturday Night, I think, mm-hmm. all from the first album, the yeah. demos. Yeah. And uh, he came back the next Friday and said, You're going to be massive. Really? And I was like, You keep, wow. <laughs> And we rehearsed on the Saturday morning. And I was the first thing I thought as soon as he said that was, I'm going to tell this is going to make them feel so much better. Right. I'm going to hype it up so much. The kid, he's like one of the coolest kids. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, he thinks we're going to be massive, right? I don't know if it yeah. worked, but you know, it kept, I need something to keep me going, mm. even though I still believe, but you know, these little things are what you're looking for. Exactly. And so then I shared that with everyone. And then, you know, I knew that I had to keep everybody excited. Not yeah, so much yeah. Ricky. I think Ricky had belief and then the others just believed in us yeah which yeah. is honestly te- a brilliant thing as well i mean it's hard to believe in people interesting parallel there um adam goes off for 10 years uh doesn't do anything comes back uh because they did this uh, twitter listening party and starts uh-huh. to like listen back to the music and starts to like try to play music again and it's just, it was an interesting time to be part of because here's this guy who's ridiculous on guitar and just really talented and he's like creating songs but he's not aware that he's good <laughs> and it was just that thing of like dude yeah. you're really good <laughs> like what's wrong? how do you not know that well no i mean thing. i i'm i'm the same as nick in the sense that don't get me wrong 
when I'm making that shit and I'm writing that stuff, I think, yeah, I love this. In my own head, this is fucking yeah. great. This is banging. But that, that that is not the same as then other people believing it. Because obviously when you're writing it as well, and especially me, I, I, it's quite emotional stuff that I write. Do you know, it comes from somewhere. Do you know what I mean? So I always think, am I clouded by sentiment? You know what I mean? Am I clouded by sentiment on that lyric? Oh. That, you know, do you know what I mean? And all that stuff. So yeah, I look for that same validation too where... Um, and I've, you know, paranoid about my voice and all that stuff. That was the main thing where I was like, sort of almost apologetic. Do you know what I mean? It's like, listen to this. I'm sorry. Do you know? I'm sorry about oh, my yeah. voice. Before I start, I'm sorry about my voice. But the song's great, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? And then people were like, fuck you, what are you on about, man? Your voice sounds really cool. And it's like, so like you, I look for those little bits of validation and I fucking feed yeah. off it. Do you know what I mean? It's what I oh, eat. Yeah. I, it's what I absolutely eat. And I've always needed that in my life as a character anyway. Something to look forward to. Don't matter if it's, you know, next week or in six months or next year. As long as there's something that I know that's going to be happening that, you know, is that brings that level of excitement into your life. And that's what I found and you'll have found exactly the same i'm sure in that when your band kicks off it's like you know every day exciting thing exciting yeah. thing massively exciting thing and then it, it can become like oh yeah exciting things happen all the time yeah. whatever but yeah it's so it, it, it you know it, it's, a, it's a ride that we both know well i suppose yeah definitely it sounds very familiar that yeah um and are these songs that you're writing um for like now, or is it you talking about back then? No, now, now I've probably written about thirty songs. Um, I'm planning on releasing a solo album. I've got no time. Oh, okay. fr- I've got no time frame on it. Um, but like I said, I've got about thirty. Um, probably about ten or twelve of those are really, really strong. The rest kind of need developing. But I'm also doing a soundtrack album as well. Um, work, you know, soundscapes and shit like that. Just, just taking any creative opportunity I can right now. To be honest, having you know, just sort of effectively been in the wilderness for so long. So, so yeah, have you not been doing music? No, mate. Time? No, not not for ten years. No, when the music split up, um, you know, for various reasons, it you know it, it cut me pretty deep, and I effectively just disappeared. You know, I, I didn't have anything to do with anyone from the band or or music in general. To the point where even listening to music, uh, I found difficult. So I kind of stopped listening to music as well, and I became a gardener, um, and I've been gardening with my mate for seven years now. Um, and yeah. The listening part sure. stuff happened and I started writing and I just love it again. Do you know what I mean? Just like proper reborn. Wow. I was Sounded a gardener. A good podcast. You was a gardener as well? <laughs> yeah, I was. I was. Oh, that's interesting. Sign of a good podcaster here. Nick switched from the interviewee to the interviewer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah man. But I mean, transition into asking you questions. I, I find it interesting. I mean, I'm doing basically what I do on my podcast, but we do know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but I often think because uh, I talk about myself a little bit in the podcast, and I think, oh no, I shouldn't do that. But actually, it's a podcast. It's not. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not. Uh, like a, ch- a talk, a chat show. Yeah, yeah. Conversation. No, I mean, you know, and I had that same battle with my YouTube videos, mate. Do you know, I'm stood in these YouTube videos talking about really exposing shit, but it, it, it and you know, all the time I was thinking this goes against every bit of my fiber because I've got, I ain't got wow. a narcissistic bone in my body. I'm not an attention seeker in that sense, but because I'd come on Twitter and the band had resurfaced on the listening party and I had all these people asking me questions that you couldn't answer on Twitter because there ain't enough character count. Do you know what I mean? So I was thinking. Like, and I'm the kind of person as well that if someone asks me a question, I can't just ignore it. Like my brain, I, I have to answer it. And especially if it's something that I can get my teeth into. So yeah. suddenly I thought I'm going to start a YouTube channel and uh, talk to the camera so I can answer all these questions in one go. But you know, like you say, I had that massive sort of, 
It's egotistical to sit here and talk about yourself to a camera, to talk to a camera, you know what I mean? You have to, yeah. unless someone's paying you, unless someone's paying you, like, yeah. you have to, there, there has to be an inherent certain level of narcissism that makes you think, well, I'm important <laughs> enough to fucking film myself and put it on YouTube. But, you know, so, so what I've learned anyway through doing this podcast is um, people want to hear it, man. Do you know what I mean? As long as you're not a boring bastard, people want to hear it, definitely. So, yeah, I agree. Mm. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's, I, he's, he's talks a lot on his fans only page. That's where. He's <laughs> <up on his. laughs> oh, God. No, but so like, you know, like so Pete's saying bloody only fans, but something that's worried me about sort of trying to make music now is, you know, getting any kind of record company involved or all like that. So, I mean, you know, like I've kind of bypassed that really by starting like a patron page. Do you know what I mean? Where fans can effectively, right. f- fans effectively subscribe to, uh, well, they're supporting the p- sort of podcast, it's tied to the podcast, but in, in theory, you know, they're supporting me really in the sense that their contributions allow me to focus a lot more on um, getting closer to actually recording this record and all sorts of different things. But yeah, that's what sort of kept me going because, you know, one of the things that stopped me being creative was that paralyzing thing that you described. Uh, obviously, after the music, you know, I'd written, every, been writing with Rob. As long as I've been writing, I've been writing with Rob, this lad who's just got this ridiculous voice that just falls so naturally out of him. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And then suddenly I were in a world where it were like, oh, you know what I mean? I, I can't, to achieve that, it's just never going to be the same. Do you know what I mean? Try and sort of get someone on that, on the same wavelength as me anyway. Um, but yeah, man, so it's, I'm loving that side of it. I'm loving that side of just writing and looking for, for different creative things to do really. And I guess it's kind of what you're doing really. Obviously you're doing it on a much bigger scale than that, but it sounds to me like you're... Not really. Well, I mean, you're of the mind to try and be involved in things that, you know, you feel are different or even, you know, outside of your comfort zone maybe. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, how is podcasting going for you? Um, it's I'm going... also curious what made you decide to do a podcast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, it was actually, I watched this documentary about uh, the comedy store in LA um, uh, and a lot of Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan's in it a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not just Joe Rogan, but every single comedian um, had a podcast or has a podcast. So that kind of got me spark, a little spark going. And then um, it was only like January, I think I started thinking about it seriously, but it's probably because of that program. And I thought, okay, I think I could do that mm-hmm. because, you know, loads of people do it. I often think about something that you, you, you could try is that, well, those people weren't born knowing about podcasts. <laughs> and RSS feeds. They, yeah, they, yeah. they learn it. They went on YouTube and they found it out. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Exactly. So, I, and it's also because of lockdown as well, because it literally, what else? I mean, do, do you know, I mean, it's unbelievable. If someone says to me now, what do you do? I say, I've got a podcast. <laughs> really? No one does say, what do you do? Because I don't see anyone. But yeah, because um, yeah, that's what I do mainly. It's interesting. Because when people Thanks. say, what do I do? I still say, I'm a gardener. <laughs> <laughs> who do you see oh i suppose you see but you only see people who have hired you to be a gardener well no, that's true yeah but I, you know even talking well i suppose you, you, you're right you, i mean it's if a someone, tremendous job for a lockdown yeah if someone were to ask me now you know if i were to get talking to someone i didn't know and they said what do you do for a living i would say oh i'm a gardener and i have been for seven years do you know what i mean it got okay. it got to the point for me mate where i didn't tell anyone about the band new people do you know what I mean? After once it had been and gone, I, if I met someone new, I did my best not to tell them about it because you just always got that thing of oh, what, you play at work in men's clubs and that. Do you know what I mean? And you're like, oh yeah, well, yeah, once upon a time, mate. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but people, Nick, people don't understand it, do they? And I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure you'll have found that when 
you know, you'll try to explain, when you lot kicked off and you try to explain it to, I don't know, your grandmas or, you know what I mean, or your aunties and uncles, top, they just top don't. Top of the Pops was the only time it really made sense to a lot of people. Top of the Pops, exactly. Same for us. Once you can say, yeah, <laughs> we've been on top. I mean, that's, and to the people who do say, oh, have you been at working men's clubs? I say, we've played Top of Pops three times. And they're like, oh, right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you, you? Yeah, 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 yeah. So that, I mean, like you say, that's the, uh, that's the one, that's isn't the it? One. If, yeah. yeah. If you can say yeah, we played on Top of the Pops. say you're on Guitar Hero. <laughs> well, yeah, I'll they, say that. Yeah, I'm on guitar. They didn't even know. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's dead interesting. I mean, my podcast is called "You Know How Many Bands There Are." Yeah, yeah. Um, and that is because I've, I've said this so many times now. I hadn't said it once before, but I remember one time I was at uh, I was doing work experience in um, in a really boring place. It was super boring. I was supposed to have this. Uh, work experience at a radio station which fell through mm. and so like literally the night before my dad got me work experience at a bus company right <laughs> okay and the guy and i was there for a few weeks it was so unbelievably dull and whenever anyone i said you know what what are you doing what do you want to do and i just say well, i'm in a band i want to be in a band that's all i want to be in and and they would say and, and it wasn't exclusively this guy but i just remember this guy saying do you know how many bands there are right and he was okay. like well okay that's one way of looking at it yeah, it's it's fine. Yeah, but that's I mean that's what you were met with, wasn't it? That's what you were met with. That's the attitude we were met with. You know, even after even after we'd met uh, the management and been signed in principle to a proper management company and all that. You know, even when you know all my teachers were like, "So what do you really want to do?" It's like I want to be in a band. It's like, well, no, what do you really want to do? Yeah, and you're like, no, you're not you're not listening. Do you know what I mean? But <laughs> yeah. but that's the thing is to be fair it's because it, because it doesn't happen. No, yeah, one... yeah. And it's, it's I, I suppose it's like kids, you know, making it in football. Do you know what I mean? Re- really making it in football. Yeah. And that's something, you know, like when, when the band ended for me or for us and, you know, I struggled with it so much mentally because it was all I'd known since leaving school. Do you know what I mean? That, I mean, that sort of got me thinking so much wider field. Uh, and you think, well, and like you said, do you know how many bands there are that don't make it? But, that, you know, that applies to so many things where the prize is so big. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. football being probably one of the biggest where you've got God knows how many hundreds and hundreds and thousands of kids in academies and stuff. And that'll all go from the age of sometimes eight, nine, ten, all the way up to 13, 14, thinking they're going to make it. And then they're dropped at that 15, 16, and then they've got to go into the normal world. Do you know what I mean? It's, well, I, I have thought with the podcast that I could easily um expand it a little bit to mm. and i thought about footballers there's a few footballers that you know have gone from patrick bamford Leeds united player i'd love to get him on the podcast because the reason it's called you know how many bands there are is because that's my experience yeah but it's not about bands i mean it is about bands but it's not about it's about people yeah and about about the journey um so you find anyone like that and uh I'd love to have them on, maybe like season season two. Yeah, man. Ooh. Well, that's what I mean. Com- podcast for me, sort of what I'm learning about them anyway, is that it's just it's just an interesting conversation. Do you know what I mean? And like you can think, I mean, like so for example, the Kaiser Chiefs, you had this really strong identity and a brand around what you were doing. Whereas on a podcast for me, you could be talking to a footballer about the heights and then the next week you could be talking to i don't know you know a fireman who saved someone or something like yeah, that yeah. do you know what i mean there anyone who's got a story really. yeah yeah just an interesting conversation you know that's what's and especially in lockdown i think that's what's become more focused is the human element of life in general do you know what i mean not to sound too cliche but and people people love 
human stories, you know, genuine human stories. Do you know what I mean? I think mm. the, the great... I think inspirational. Yeah, as long as they come from a true place, I think they're absolutely yeah. gripping. Do you know what I mean? And I certainly think that your story is one of those, especially, you know, it's not like, you know, you were just, well, you were suddenly propelled to it, but you, you worked you worked really hard and from the sounds of it sat working out formulas for a long time to achieve it. Do you know what I mean? Which mm-hmm. is, um, you know, is, is a great thing. And it must've, you know, it must've been a great thing to, to have been involved in. And, you know, I suppose, well, I suppose it's a, a not a difficult question to ask, but you know, do you still, because that, when you're in a band and you're in that, you are just such a, a, a tight unit and a gang. And, you know, in terms of a, a group dynamic, you don't really know any difference. You know, have you, have you drifted apart from the guys through sort of not seeing them as much? Do you know what I mean? Or- well, I think when, you, when you're in a band and you start, uh, there's the gang and then it gets, you know, there's still a gang, but then there's, there's the um, strange feelings come in. Mm-hmm. The, okay, so an example would be, um, because you spend literally all day for years together, mm. If you have any time off, uh, I remember this one time I was in Headingley. I think I said this to Rob on my podcast or someone. But I was in Headingley and I was just having breakfast in this place and Ricky came in and suddenly felt amazingly awkward. <laughs> and like, right, and we just felt awkward. Mm. So that, but I wouldn't have got that with my mate, with my mate who I'm not in a band with. Yeah. Hey, you're right. Because things change. You just get, your relationships completely change. The good thing about everyone most people in the band, not everyone, but um, most of the band, they're all, I can ring them up now and just yep. have a laugh. Mm-hmm. And that's the I main think thing. Would think, Whitey would be like that. Why are you ringing me? Right. <laughs> Still have a laugh. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's good. And I couldn't have done that when we were in the band. I didn't call, you didn't call people. You didn't go, like I talked to other bands and they would spend their holidays with the other band members. I was like, okay, that's not us. No. We, I Even think... though three of us were in the same class at school. Yeah. When we were 11. Yeah. And, uh, but you wouldn't, I wouldn't want to spend any time with them because it was just weird. It got awkward. It got awkward. Now it's not awkward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's um, good. It's actually got better. Yeah. I think we had that, we had that same thing. Like you say, in each other's pockets all the time, um, living on a bus, you know, living on buses, all that stuff. Um, yeah, we, we didn't spend time with each other outside of the band, really. Do you know what I mean? And we were saying, me, Rob and Stu went to school together. Me and Rob were born two days apart. Do you know what I mean? And our mums were very good friends when we were tiny babies. You know, we'd um, spent a lot of time with each other. But like you say, it's, um, it changes, doesn't it? It changes, yeah. but I mean, it changed for us. Let's see if it changes for the same reasons yours is. But let's face it, when everything's flying, it's flying in it. Do you know what I mean? And it, uh, okay, yeah, yeah. And it, yeah. you know, it's it's easy to, um, you know, I you just don't worry about it. When it all comes naturally, you don't worry about it. And then suddenly, you know, things don't come as naturally, like you say. Do you know what I mean? And then then you look over there and you see this band who they're doing it naturally, and you're like, well, shit, man, mm-hmm. we we used to do it naturally. Do you know what I mean? What <laughs> What's happened? So I think for us, more than anything, it was a, a shared responsibility for a cons- for a gradual decline. Do you know what I mean? And that's yeah. all. That's always. I don't know if that's always the the, the worst kind of decline, but um, you know, it was difficult for all of us in the band to not know how to steer it anymore. I mean, you know, that I don't think we necessarily blame ourselves for not being really big. I mean, that's the thing that we and I hear all the time. You know, you guys should have been absolutely massive and. It, I don't. I never know what to do with that, really. 
He's mm. like, well, more people should have bought the fucking record then, shouldn't they? Do you know what I mean? Don't be telling me we should fucking <laughs> should have been massive. Do you know what I mean? There's a little bit of that, but um, I don't know, man. It, it's But like you say, anyway, um, the relationship between band members does <laughs> does change, does change, in, inevitably does change. Um yeah, yeah, but you you can't like you say when you when you you know you don't want to spend time with them when you've spent three months in America with them. Do you know what I mean? You'd rather go see people you haven't seen for that yeah. long. Yeah, I think. Um, but I honestly, I always thought that uh, bands shouldn't stick around for that long. Like I didn't think that they should. And I want another reason why I, I left. Left. Yeah. Because I didn't want to be in my head. Even though this sounds stupid now, because I'd be fine with it now. But at the time, I didn't want to be in a band when I was thirty-five. Right. Mm, yeah, I've heard people say I that. Yeah. I don't know why. So I left before I was 35, 34. That's it. And did <laughs> when you say when you say that how long did you know that for? Do you know what I mean? Were you were you 20 years old <laughs> thinking for my whole life. Right. right. Part of the plan. Yeah. I mean, it, I, it, think it, it was, you I never thought a, about a human it. human limitation that truly didn't exist. <laughs> yeah. It's stupid. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I, 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 I think it's interesting. I'd love it. Yeah, I think I it's interesting. I think it's interesting that you you had such a strong blueprint. Do you know what I mean? Um, I just wonder, you know, how much that played into your success, you know, which I'm which I'm sure it did because that pinpoint identity that you created um, was unmistakable, wasn't it? Do, yeah. you know, do you know what I mean? I mean? Absolutely unmistakable. Yeah. Who's to say what makes made you guys successful? Because I found that fascinating that for you guys, the, the concept, the idea that you were making a record for a different band mm. really played into your psyche uh, and, and, uh, and in some ways probably freed you to make this other thing. And that's really fascinating. So it's, it's amazing how mentally, like if there's a okay. good connection between the band, if there's a good vibe, there's so many different things that play into what may, how you get into a creative space and make something special. And yeah. I think that's so part I think- of it for you. I think I recognized that. And I didn't want to be a band that just carried on and carried on and carried on and weren't vital to um, culture. Irrelevant. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just, I didn't want to be irrelevant. So mm. I, um, what you just said then about, uh, write, you know, writing for something that wasn't like me, mm. that seemed something I could do mm. and get excited. And I could have songs come out that other, like, say, so say Q-Tip sang on, like I could suddenly have a song where Q-Tip singing on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, I could have a song tomorrow that I write tomorrow or next week that some an 18 year old is going to be on the Radio 1 playlist. Yeah. And when I was in the band I knew that that was never going to happen ever again. You can never be vital. Yeah. When you're 35. I see what you're saying. You've been around for 10 years. Mm-hmm. You couldn't do it. It's not possible. Mm. So, I wanted to get the same feeling but somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, that's 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 uh, it's really interesting um and you know let's face it and it's difficult really in it because when you start a band and like you say um different reasons you start a band um but you want it to be something and like you say if you if you feel it don't fit anymore and you don't want you you don't want to become a caricature of yourself and you don't want to think right well i created some ages ago that used to be relevant (laughs) <laughs> Let, let's continue touring it, reminding people how relevant we were. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, I, you know. Um, I don't even mind that now, though. I would do a reunion now with right. my old band, and I'd absolutely love it, and it'd be the best sure. thing ever, and I could do it for the next five years. Mm. But then when I was thinking then, that's not what I was into. But now I'm 43. Do you know what I mean? So it's like I've changed again. Yeah. And that's fine. I think it's good to change, and it's also good to change your mind. 
Yeah, it's good to evolve. I mean, that's because so honestly, your song, that little piece that I heard, which by the way, I've played it like six times because it's <laughs> really catchy. Okay. Um, I just love what the only, you, you only say one thing on there. This is what I feel right now. And to me, that is like brilliant. That's like really cool. <laughs> It could talk about the fact that, you know, this is what I feel right now because we're in COVID and this is how I feel right now. But it's kind of like, I don't know, in, in my opinion, maybe I'm overthinking this, but it almost seems like you've evolved and this is how you feel right now. And it's okay. Yeah. I'm going to make this because this is what I'm feeling right now. And I'm okay with putting something out. This is what I feel right now. I, I don't know. And I, also, yeah. So like the reason I sang that lyric as well was because the guitar, because I, okay, for the last few weeks, I've been playing the drums and I've been playing loud and fast. And it's because of, you know, you want to do something, yeah. right? So, and I've been listening to Nirvana, mm -hmm. and um, because it's a way of releasing. Shallowly, so yeah. I played this guitar. I played this guitar here, and I played as fast. As, it's the fastest song I've ever done, and I wanted to play really, really fast. Right, well, deliberately, yeah. Two hundred and eight BPM, <laughs> which is really, really fast. Let's hear it. I can try it. I can't remember because I always forget things. And then just go as fast as you can. <laughs> I love it. And then I had the challenge of... And then I had this challenge that I had to then play the drums as fast as I've ever played. <laughs> and it yeah, was you fucking into that hard. <laughs> I really did. It was so hard. It's funny, it's funny you say that. It's funny you say that. I think that's one, you know, Phil, Phil Jordan, our drummer, I think that's... Um, the one thing he's dreading because, you know, he's a counsellor nowadays. He hasn't been playing a lot of drums for the past seven years. So to suddenly get up there and knock out, uh, you know, uh, uh, the music set, hitting him like yeah. he used to hit him, I think he's going to take a I lot of building know. up. I, I wouldn't know where to start training for that because that's like a marathon. I mean, yeah. because like I said, on the first ever gig, we did the amount of, you know, I was so tired afterwards, I couldn't move. And after all, like, you know, big gigs that we would do, I was exhausted. Mm. Yeah. And... Uh, I don't think I'd be able to get past two songs now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm serious. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be able to do it. No, it takes it yeah. takes so much conditioning. I mean, same for playing guitar, isn't it? If you haven't played guitar for ages, you know, you try and play for three minutes properly. You know, if you haven't played yeah. for ages, your fingers are like nah. fuck off. Do you know what nah, I mean? It's horrible. You know, but especially with you singing as well. Do you know what I mean? Sort of playing drums and singing. That oh, yeah, yeah, that yeah. must have been a bit of a fucking workout for you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. Because I, mean, I, songs... I play cowbell, so it's you know, <laughs> it a little tiring after a while. It can be. Especially if you're singing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that, I so, mean, it, it, I just, yeah, I always think that's going to bring an extra level of athleticism that, you know, no one else is going to feel on stage. I always felt, I always felt for, for Phil, especially when you're, you're playing like a gig at Fuji where it's, you know, a thousand degrees hum and, you know, 100% yeah, humidity yeah. and you're having to, to whack them. Do you know what I mean? Oh, some so, gigs. I remember one in Texas that was 110 degrees and it was outdoors in 110 degrees. Oh, lovely. Jesus Christ. That's too hot. Mm. Mm -hmm. For sure. It's it certainly awful. It's certainly too hot to be uh, trying to enjoy music or don't like that. Fucking hell. Don't be doing it was that. scary it hot. Tex-Mex in Texas, I would never go. Mm. Just remember that gig. You'd have a, a bottle of ice cold water straight out of an ice bucket. And by the end of the first or second song, mm. it was warm. Oh, right. Warm. Like warm. And you reach, you reach for the water and you're like, oh, no, it's hot. <laughs> like, it's terrible. It's weird, isn't it? How you yeah. just, you, 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 your thirst is in no way quenched by warm water. Do you know what I mean? You get some <laughs> ice cold water. It's like, I can't, you know, you're in desert and you've never had some water. You're like, I don't want it hot. I'm not having it hot. You can piss no, off. No, no. <laughs> the tea. 
Yeah, yeah. Your mum and dad would be like that. Why are you be like, why are you having tea? And like, <laughs> actually, it does actually quench your thirst. Oh, like, it doesn't. Honestly, <laughs> honestly, mate, I, I get that on um when me and Dave are gardening and it's on really hot days where it's, you know, over 30 degrees and people are like, oh, do you like some juice? And you're like, no, I'll have a tea, please. And they're like, you want tea on a day like this? And you're like, well, yeah, but I guess it's more routine than anything. <laughs> yeah, I used to do, I used to be a gardener and tea was the best bit. You'd have to have tea. I remember this one um, place we'd go and they gave you the tea. It was like an old lady. Yep. She'd give you the tea and it wasn't hot. I mean, it was hot, but it wasn't, really hot mm-hmm. so i had it in my mind that she's done that on purpose so that our tea break was about five minutes shorter yeah well it's funny you say that because Crafty. i mean yeah the, well i feel guilty and i've said to customers before don't make us brew so hot because it takes us so long to drink them do you know what i mean and you right. pay you, you're paying by the hour or whatever and i'm stood there guiltily trying to neck this brew as fast as i can because it's burning my face off but yeah bless the the old days you always get tea out of old days i mean to be fair it's like you know it's almost like the, the more posher richer ones you don't get tea out of do you know what i mean yeah. it's like come on man can happen. yeah knock me out of brew man do you know what i mean whereas everyone else like yeah take what you want or sometimes you'll get it where you'll have a you'll have a tea and then they pay you at end minus like you know one pound fifty for a tea bag has that happened yes that's happened that's wow. happened oh mate i could do an entire podcast about gardening stories and if you want to do maybe. one let's do one because i've got fucking tons honestly <laughs> piss <laughs> funny on three of your maybe series three of your podcast can be do you know how many gardeners there are yeah. <laughs> honestly like you know the, the the way people behave on their own property do you know what i mean which they are entitled to do but it, it's such a fascinating part of humanity for me like do you know what i mean the, the worlds that people immerse in and then you sort of just walk into it and you're like what the hell is going on? i mean there's some places we do where i've literally walked around and with dave and i'm like is this place a cult or something do you know what i mean what is going on here there's there's all sorts of different buildings and stuff and i don't really recognize people from week to week yeah man there's some there's some weird setups but i have to say i absolutely loved it do you know what i mean um as much as gardening are out like that for me it's just about being out with me mate in fresh air having a laugh and you know we work hard but at the same time we have a laugh that's what that's what i love about gardening yeah it was good i liked it because i didn't have to um we could be your own boss. Yeah. But when I was like literally 18, 19, 20. Mm. So it was... And now we're full circle and you're your own boss again, man. Yeah. yeah. Well, I've done the opposite I to you. I've, you know, I got a bit successful early and now I'm gardening and you started gardening and you got really successful. <laughs> yeah, but you, you're coming back with new songs. That's it, man. Coming back. Band. Back on the scene, sure. man. That's it. That's it, definitely. Nick, man, this has been really awesome. I'm, uh, I really appreciate you coming on our podcast. Uh, Thanks. I've heard your podcast as well. I think you do a great job. Uh, thank you I, very I much. I listened to the one with Rob. Obviously, that was I thought that was really good. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to thank you for joining us on this uh on this episode 21 yeah and let me let me second that it's been really fantastic um because you know i don't i don't think we've i think we've come across each other and chatted once or twice briefly but i don't think we've ever ever actually had a a proper conversation so um yeah i really enjoyed it and thank you very much for giving up your time like you are you're welcome i've enjoyed it i really have it's good because i've been doing the podcast and i i love talking to people about their things as well but i I like talking about myself. Yeah, that's it, man. Do you know what I mean? And you, you've got a lot of stuff to talk about. You're involved in a lot of stuff. You've yeah. done a lot of stuff. Yeah. You've got a lot of um, also, you know, a lot of people who listen to this podcast are people who are in aspiring bands. So, okay, yeah. yeah, you know, so people uh, such as yourself, especially um, coming on and, you know, talking in the way that you have, um, talking about the things that you have in the subject matters. It's fascinating insight for people mm-hmm. is that. Yeah. So it's something that I've had to add beaten over my head eventually is that, look, some people actually do want 
want to hear what you've got to say. Do you know right. what I mean? You have you have to get over that. But you know. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate it, man. Cool. Thank you very much. Right, so that has been episode 21 of Music and More. Really enjoyed this one, and um, I know that you guys will too, because that was a really interesting conversation. So yeah, thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy it. Thank you. Do you, uh, is this video then? No, we just do, we take a picture, we just take a, yeah, scr- yeah. a screen grab for the for Twitter and stuff. There it sure. is. On three, two, one. <laughs> Adam always looks like he's uh, in a lineup. For, I, never, uh, <laughs> I never know, I never know what to fucking do. No, do you know? I don't. Just snap I the don't, fucking sorry. thing, Pete, Actually, come on. Let me do it one more time. Let me go, go on, go fucking snap more. it. Because you did look pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> that was better. Better laughter. Much better. All right. There it is, cool. Have you Great. done it, Pete? For fuck's sake. God, I hate those. <laughs> it's brilliant. <laughs> Love it.